Welcome to On the Spot, where two student pastors talk about stuff that matters. I'm Dakota. And I'm Kyle. Kyle. Happy New Year, Dakota. <laughs> we already did that episode. I know, but it's still a new year. <laughs> it is true. It is a new year. As we are recording this, it is January 7th. And we actually have a couple of special guests today, Kyle. We do have special guests. We have with us Chris Johnson, who is the CEO of the Choices Women's Center. Say hey, Chris. Hey. Good morning, everybody. Or actually, afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's close. What time is it? No, it's afternoon. You're right. All okay, right. cool. We also By have... By definition, <clears throat> it is afternoon. Correct, because Chris <laughs> gave us lunch, which was nice. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> now we're all going to have that, like, food coma while we're recording. <laughs> You're yep. welcome. So we also have with us today Kelly Lester, who is the former director of development at Choices. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, Kelly, we are glad that you are here. Chris, we're glad that you are here. We have a lot of things to cover as we have the Sanctity of Human Life. Is it just one day that we celebrate that or is it like a weekend? It's typically one day a year that's designated as Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of events that go on throughout the month of January that, that are tied to that. So that's coming up soon. And this episode will actually air the Thursday before Sanctity of Life Sunday, if I'm not That mistaken. is correct. Yeah. So we wanted to take some time to talk about um, something that is close to both of y'all, as you both have, um, you are currently a part of, and you were a part of Choices Women's Center, uh, which is abortion. So we're going to jump into some of that stuff later. But uh, first, let's start out with something a little lighter. Kyle, you know what time it is. It is time for the question of the day, Dakota. <laughs> and on a completely related topic... I would love to know what everyone's favorite Disney princess is. <laughs> oh so I, I can jump in and start this one. Um, I know Kelly's I'm super excited about this. Kelly's got some things we to had, say. We had a pre-meeting <laughs> meeting, and I wished we were recording. So I'm so excited. So for me, uh, I struggle with this question because I kind of base the princess that I like on the movie that I like, not necessarily the princess. And I am a huge fan of Aladdin. I just love the movie, uh, the original one that is animated, not mm. the new one. Do you not like um, the new one at no, all? It's just not as good. I like the new yeah, one. Yeah, well, it's you're okay. It's okay that you're wrong. I, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm glad you think I'm okay, Dakota. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I, I would probably say either Jasmine or I like Moana a lot just because it's a good Jasmine movie. Jasmine or Moana. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Chris? Does Lilo count as Lilo a princess? Lilo is not a princess. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like an orphan. No. Well, <laughs> so I'm like 51, and I don't know that I remember the names of any of these. So you're you're princesses. old enough to remember when Snow White came out in theaters. Wow. Oh yeah. Okay. Was it color or was it black and white? Yeah, was it in color? It was color? definitely black and white. Bambi's not a princess either. In case oh. you're wondering. So what do you got? I would probably say Little Mermaid. Just okay. because that you know was one name? of the first ones. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> Do you know her hair color? <laughs> red, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is hey, red. Yeah, that's something right. Yeah, yeah. Her name is Ariel? It oh, is yeah, Ariel. that one, that one. <laughs> it is Ariel. All right, My kids get... would be totally embarrassed right now. They're going to be they're embarrassed. big time, of Disney. course. <laughs> oh, man. So. So um, before we get to Kelly, because it's she's like going to bring, bring the house down on this question, <laughs> I feel like Kyle... <laughs> it's a dazzling place that I never knew. Kyle, what's your favorite? Uh, my favorite is because it's my favorite movie, and that's Moana. My favorite Disney movie. Um, I suspected. I love. I I love the uh, the different ways that that the movie um, 
kind of kind of plays with 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 the idea of people discovering their identity. Mm. Um, I love the very end of the movie. I've said this on the podcast before, but I love the very end of the movie where she looks up at at Tafiti or whatever the 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 the, the bad island. guy's name is, uh, and says, "This is not who you are. You know who you are." And and, it, and and that little that little bit of information is like restoring her heart. When you when you look and notice somebody for who they really are, mm-hmm. I just think that I think there's something that's life giving about that. Mm-hmm. So I love the movie Moana. I also love there's no love story. <laughs> That's true. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. So on that note, Kelly. <laughs> so, hmm. okay. So I don't like Disney princesses. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say I'm not so, a fan. So Chris doesn't know them. You don't like them. No. no this, was, this was a winner of a question, Dakota. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay. So we'll start with Ariel. Ariel was told, if you sing pretty and look pretty, boys will like you, and that's the answer to all your problems. Okay, no. Uh, we don't like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's not good. Put that's the, not put good. Put the boy in a trance. We don't like that. But then look at like all the other princesses. Belle, Rapunzel. Half of them, their moms are evil witches. It's true. Which, I'm Accurate. a mom. I don't want to be the evil witch. <laughs> the other half, their mom's dead. Yes. That's true. Or they die. Okay, I'm the mom. I don't want to be dead. And it's all about getting a man. Uh-huh. The man's the answer to your problem. Look, I love men. I love my husband. <laughs> I'm glad that I have a husband. He takes out the trash and he mows the grass. Not because I can't, but because he likes to do it and I let him. Sounds like a good so, guy. <laughs> he, he is amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> but I, I'm not a fan of pretty much any. I'm like looking at him right now. There's, like a, there's like a bunch of parent trauma. Yes. Like Moana's the only one that I can think of where she has both parents yes. at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And at the end of the movie. Yes. <laughs> That's actually. Can I change my answer then? Yeah. Yeah. Moana. yeah. There we go. So there Moana go. would be the one out of all of them that I most resonate with. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's like, since that's the most recent one, hopefully that's indicative of things to come. Let's, yeah. Let's hope. Let's I mean, hope. I will say that we all said Moana. I mean, Chris jumped on the bandwagon, but that's fine. That's true. That's true. We're very influential you people. Are. You are. You brought him over. Yeah. Now yeah. we need, now we just need to set the Moana watch date. You oh know, my. you know, we're going to have a watch party. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see about that. We'll see what happens. Is that next Monday night at 8 p.m.? No, definitely not. Definitely not. The Alabama championship game will have happened between now and then. So as you guys are listening to us, if you care anything about college football, you'll probably know who won. But we will be watching Alabama hopefully beat Ohio State. Yeah. Maybe. In that game. I hope so. Can we talk about Disney princesses again? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. No no college football. Man, we're really winning right now. (laughs) All right. So... Um, like I said before, we, we have, we do have a lot to cover today and I'm really, really excited to get the perspective of you guys coming outside of, um, you know, just our church environment, but, um, we do partner with choices and really excited about that. So Chris, I know you personally hung out with you quite a bit. I've heard, I've heard most of your story. Um, but I would love to have you share with our listeners, um, what your story of your life is kind of how you came to be. Uh, and how that has influenced where you are today. Absolutely. First of all, I appreciate you guys having us here to be able to share our stories. Yes. So one of the questions that I get, and sometimes I get some peculiar looks from people, is like, why is it that it, a guy is leading a pregnancy mm. center? And the short answer is, is that I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for a ministry like this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the backstory to that is there was a young woman on a college campus back in 1969, so I just dated myself, <laughs> um, um, who trusted somebody to give her a ride on, comp- on a college campus. And um, that decision led to the unfortunate circumstance of her uh, being raped. And that's how I was conceived. And so I am incredibly thankful for her uncommon courage um, to choose life for me in spite of those extremely difficult circumstances. Um, But she didn't do it by herself. She had a pregnancy help ministry that came along her side and encouraged her and walked that difficult journey um, with her. Um, You know, we frequently talk about Romans 8.28, for all things work together for good. But sometimes it's hard to reconcile that with something that's tragic or something as heinous as a rape. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking her, you know, I met her you know, many years later as an adult, and I remember asking her, um, how did she come about making that decision to choose life? Um, and her response kind of blew me away. I mean, first of all, it was, well, why, why would I take that out on you? Mm. Um, but the rest wow, of that, that is powerful right there. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the rest of it was God so loved, he gave, mm. I so loved, I gave. Wow. And you know, that really, um, I, that really choked me up and still chokes me up to this day when I, when I think back on that. Um, and the cool thing is about the gospel is that it doesn't matter what it is that Satan intended for evil. God can redeem anything and everything. Um, and he did. And in our ministry, one of the things that we talk about are the ripple effects yeah. of the decisions that we make. And that, that applies to all of us in any aspect of life. Sometimes we tend to make a decision in the here and now and the moment. And all we think mm-hmm. about is the immediate ramifications of things. And we don't really think down the road, yeah. you know, what are the ripple effects of the decisions that we make? My biological mother choosing life that gave the gift of a son and a little brother to my adoptive family. Wow. Um, my kids wouldn't exist today if she had not chosen life. Yeah. And both of my kids are in ministry today mm. and making additional ripple effects. Mm. Um, my daughter's working in the pro-life ministry, you know, which is kind of cool. And I think it's neat that I'm working in a pregnancy help ministry now. And something I think that, uh, or I know that my, my mother um, thinks very fondly of, and she had a chance to come to one of our, our galas uh, two years ago Wow! and be a part of that and wow. kind of see the ministry that, that um, we're involved in just more more ripple effects. I think I think that's such a that's such a convicting perspective to think about because most of the time when something terrible like this happens, our immediate response is how can we fix this terrible situation? When I think sometimes the Lord looks at it and goes, "Yes, this is a terrible situation." But let's not let's not immediately look at how can we fix this terrible situation, but how can we leverage this terrible situation for good? And what what I love is the way that uh, it, it's one thing for someone like me to say that, 
but it's it's another thing entirely for your biological mom to to say that to to be able to to look at you and say why would I take the terrible thing that happened to me out on you who had nothing to do with that and that's just man that is such a powerful statement it's one thing for a pastor to get up on stage and, and talk about it but it's another thing entirely to hear the perspective of someone who's lived through the the trauma of those events yeah and and I'm I'm super grateful just to know how much God is using you in your obedience and your response to what has happened, not even in your life, but in the life of your biological mom. And the implications, I love that you keep saying ripples, um, and how that has impacted the world as a result of an act of courage and obedience. Because I know your, your kids very well, and they both radically love Jesus. Uh, and that's exciting um, because they are making a huge impact and that wouldn't have happened just like you said. So love that you're willing to share your story. Um, yeah. Love that you're willing to be very honest about it um, because it's not something that is often talked about. Um, that's This is actually something that I feel is often avoided uh, because it is not pretty. If that makes sense. Yeah, we avoid talking about things that are uncomfortable. Um, even when talking about the things that are uncomfortable can be so beneficial yeah. for the health and mindsets of other people. Yeah. So appreciate it, Chris. Uh, Kelly, I know that you, I don't know a lot about your story. I just know, just, I mean, a little bit. So I'm really excited to hear from you. Um, but I know that you have a unique story of your own. Uh, so we would love to hear kind of your background. Why did you get involved later in life with pregnancy center work and things like that? Kind of same question. What's mm-hmm. your story and how did that influence where you are today? Sure. Um, well, my story is very, I'm kind of the other side of the coin for Christian's story. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents um, helped start a service at the church that we attended. We were, you know, the doors of the church were open. We were there. Um, and while I was brought up in a Christian home, there was this part of me that was always really broken mm. and really um, insecure, like painfully insecure. Um, and I didn't realize until later in life what that was from. And, and I found, I realized later on that I had been molested at about five years old Mm. by an uncle. Mm. And that led to me being super insecure. Um, And then because of that insecurity, I was always looking for acceptance from people in school. Um, And instead of getting acceptance, I actually got the other side of that. I mean, bullying. Wow. I was bullied unlike any child has ever been bullied. You know, spit on and made fun of and teased in elementary school at the bus stop. Wow. Um, And then in middle school, you know, same kind of a thing. Well, then in high school, I began to grow up and mature a little bit. And people started noticing me, not for being awkward and insecure, but being pretty. And boys started noticing me. And I had this, these friends that were going to a party and I thought, okay, well, this will be fun. You know, I'll go to a party. I went to a party and, um, drank. And while I was at the party, I was raped. Mm. And, um, I then went to my youth pastor And she, 
told me, look, if you'd never gone to that party, this would have never happened to you. Mm. And wow. yeah, as youth pastors, you love hearing that, right? Oh, um, wow. And so in my heart, I was not only traumatized by the experience of being a five-year-old molested by an uncle, but now being raped by someone in my school and then a pastor who I trusted blamed it on me, basically. Wow. And so I turned my heart away from God and said, look, God, you're cool, but I don't really want anything to do with your people. I don't want anything to do with church. And you're not really going to accept me anyway because of the things that I've done. And so I began to rebel and became um, promiscuous, went from... Um, you know, being a, a good quote unquote, good girl, um, to starting to talk back to my parents and, and small things. Um, and then at 15, I became pregnant mm -hmm. and my boyfriend at the time took me to his mom and explained to her the situation. And she said, no problem, made an appointment, took me to the local, um, abortion clinic, handed me the money for the abortion and said, I'll be back in a couple of hours to pick you up. Wow. wow. Dropped me off. And I went in and had my first abortion. Um, and you know, at that time I was so hurt and so lost and didn't know where to turn that this seemed like the answer this, you know, having a child, I was still planning on going to college. I was planning on, I played tennis, was very competitive in tennis and was planning on playing tennis in school. And I had all these dreams of what I was going to do. And although I'd begin to destroy those in my actions, I knew that if I had this child, that would all be over. And so this seemed like the right answer. Well, I walked out of the abortion clinic, no longer pregnant but with such shame mm. and such guilt mm. that I didn't really care what happened to me anymore. Wow. Like my life no longer mattered and I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to play tennis. I stopped playing tennis almost immediately. Um, I stopped hanging out with the people that I was hanging out with and went to a very destructive crowd and um, by the time I went to college, was running drugs up and down the East Coast, um, living stuff, a life that you only see in movies. Wow. Like, even when I think back about <laughs> some of my experiences, it's like, did that really happen? Because that's crazy. Um, but it did. It, it all did happen. Um, and because of that, had violent relationships with boyfriends and developed an eating, eating disorder because, again, I was just trying to control my life and trying to feel better because everything felt so out of control. And looking for identity in men and looking for identity in even being like a drug dealer. It was like, all right, we're cool. We've got all this money. Look at how, you know, what we're doing. And trying to find identity in that and trying to find who I was in all of those things. And it led me into more despair and mm. more depravity and more darkness. And to the point where I was doing drugs and alcohol every moment of every day to cover up the pain and the voices and the shame that I was hearing. And that continued on for a long time. And it finally culminated. I was living in New Orleans with a boyfriend and um, 
during that time, it was a very violent relationship. We'd moved down there to help with rebuilding after Hurricane Katrina and got down there and realized pretty quickly that the relationship was still violent. We thought leaving the place we were living would fix all of our problems and it didn't, you know, it just moved them to a new location and we're down there and, and realized quickly that it wasn't working out. I needed to come back home to Virginia, went out to um, hang out one last time. We're drinking and partying and came home and got into a fight, which was a pretty typical pattern of our life. And there was a moment in the fight where we had actually torn the door off the frame of the, you know, the door frame. And there was a two by four that was laying on the ground. And so there was a point in the fight where he was kneeling on top of me with the two by four in his hand about to hit me over oh, the head wow. with it. And as he's getting ready to hit me, he drops the board. He then punches me in the face several times bloodies my nose, blacks my eyes, you know, blood's everywhere. And when he does that, he kind of snaps out of it and realizes, oh, goodness, I've, like, actually really hurt her. And so the fight stopped. Well, the next morning, I had numerous text messages from my father. And I, of course, didn't want to talk to him because I'm a runner. When something happens that I feel shame or guilt for, I, I just disappear. Um, and I didn't want to talk to him and, you know, admit what was going on. And, and I just felt terrible. I mean, I'd just been in a fight and was, you know, hung over and so forth. And the next day after that, we drove back to Virginia. And as we pull into where we were meeting my father, he gets out of the car and my dad is 6'3". He looks like Terry Bradshaw. Um, <laughs> and he starts crying and he grabs me and puts me in the car. And I'm like, oh, dad, don't worry. You know, I was in a car accident. I'm fine. All the things that women that are, are in those kinds of situations say. And he looks at me and he says, Kelly, two nights ago, I was sleeping in my bed and, the, and I was woken up in the middle of the night. And I had a vision of you laying dead on the floor with your head split wide open. And so I began to pray. And I realized, although I didn't tell him this, that that moment was the moment where my boyfriend at the time dropped the board and did not kill me. Mm. So my father's prayers literally saved my life. And as I would, I would love to tell you that it was, oh, good, and I changed everything radically and, you know, stopped. That wasn't the case. You know, 20 years of living the way that I'd lived took a while. But what took really longer was my identity. Again, you know, I thought I was worthless. I thought God would never love me. I thought that um, I wasn't valuable and I was only good for certain things. And those aren't things we're going to talk about on this podcast, you know. And it took a while for me to begin to realize that God loved me, you know, and that God cared for me and God had a purpose for me. And those things didn't disqualify me from being his daughter or being his um, warrior in the yeah. kingdom. Um, and, but it took a while, you know, it took a long time to get that stuff played out in my head and, and numerous situations of really hearing God's voice. And one time I was sitting on um, my dad, again, as a pastor, I was sitting on the front row of his church and I heard as clearly as I hear you guys speaking right now, I heard God say to me, have you had enough? And the interesting thing about that I've realized over the years is I used to have men that during these fights would say that to me. Oh, wow. Have you had enough? So when it first came, you know, it kind of jolted me like, because that's obviously not something you want to hear when you're in the middle of a fight with somebody. And it jolted me and I was like, what? 
and I started making excuses, you know, like I would do to these men. But, you know, I started making excuses. And, and then as I'm doing that, I began to say, but God, you know, you can't love me because of this. And you can't love me because of that. And I just heard him say again, Kelly, if you follow me, I will make beauty from ashes. Mm. And, you know, again, I had that dialogue back. But how can you make beautiful being molested at five? How can you make beautiful being raped at 12? How can you make beautiful all of these things that I've done? And he said, again, if you follow me, I will make beauty from ashes. So it took the years of, of trusting him little by little in little things and having him always come through mm. and beginning to be able to trust him because I realized that that was what was ultimately stolen from me at five was trust. Mm. You know, wow. that was stolen not only in my safety, but also trusting God that good things would happen to me. You know, wow. trusting God that everything bad is not going to happen to me. And as my life went on and more bad things happened, that furthered that lie that God doesn't really love you. He lets bad things happen to you, you know? So it took years of God saying, trust me, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. And me doing that and step by step by step growing in trust for him. Well, it finally came to a place, um, a couple of years ago, two years ago, I guess, um, I was kind of in between jobs and um, had been in the fitness industry for years and years and was kind of over that whole thing. And a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I know you've got like five jobs, but Choices Women's Center is hiring a event director. And I think that was something you would be great at. And I'm like, Choices Women's Center? I've never heard of Choices Women's Center. And so I looked it up and was like, oh, it's a pregnancy resource center. I'm pro-life. Great. You know, let me go apply. And as I walked in to apply, it was like sitting with family, you know, and I felt this. It's the craziest feeling, but it was like every moment in my life had led up to that moment. And it was like I knew this is how God is going to make beauty from ashes. Mm -hmm. And so... I didn't know what that looked like exactly, but I just had that, you know, that feeling. Well, shortly after that, we went to the March for Life and I gave my testimony on the stairs of the Supreme Court wow. and Christian and one of the board members were out and they were like, yeah, you're not the event director. We, we got to have you do something else because that <laughs> story is way too powerful. Um, and so I did. I moved into um, more of engagement with the community and, and networking and sharing my story. Um, and the amazing thing is every time I share my story, Every time I have at least one person come up and say, I've never told anybody this, but. Wow. And I realized that what the enemy had planned to destroy me is the very thing that the Lord is going to use to destroy the enemy. Wow. And so I tell my story. Um, and I um, have actually just started speaking. I'm going to be traveling a whole lot more and, and speaking and sharing my story because if God can save me, he can save anybody. And if God can make my story beautiful, he can make anybody's story beautiful. And I am now a mother of six children. Wow. You know, I'm in an amazing marriage with a great guy. I live in a beautiful home that I never would have in my wildest dreams believed I deserved. And I know that in my own strength, I don't deserve it. You know, I, I get that. But God loves me so much that he's giving me these good things. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of my story. Wow. We appreciate you so much for Thanks. 
for sharing that. And um, there's no doubt in my mind that God is going to use this in the lives of mm-hmm. some people that are that are listening to this and hearing this right now. Um, one of the things I love about choices, and one of the things I love about your story, is that is is the relentless nature of the God that we yeah. love. Yeah. Is is that so often when it comes to this particular issue, there is regardless of which side that you fall, there's always a demonization that happens. Absolutely. We take real people created in God's image and we demonize them. We treat them like they are enemies that are, are that are not loved by God. And we and we look at it as an issue to be argued and a people to be demonized and vilified. And we forget that God has this relentless pursuit, this relentless nature of love for everybody that's involved in this issue that has been impacted in this issue. And his desire is that all of them would come to love him and, and know him and experience the kind of uh, redemptive nature that you've experienced in your own story and situation. So I, I love the fact that you shared that because I think that I know that the Lord would love to see the same thing happen for everybody who's involved in this situation. And I think it's an incredible testimony for all of us who are pastors and those of us who work in ministry that we can't look at this as a theological issue simply to be argued from the stage. We have to look at this as people that need to be loved and need to experience the redemptive love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm going to take it even one step further. And this is a part of my story that until recently, I really didn't share publicly that in my 20s, I got a job at the very abortion clinic that I had my first abortion. Oh, wow. And worked there for six to nine months and got a job there because I wanted to help women. Wow. I wanted to help people that were in the same situation I was in. And also, secretly, I wanted to feel better mm-hmm. about the decision that I had made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a piece to the abortion puzzle that so often is hard to get our hearts around as people that are pro-life is that these people working in these clinics even are loved by God. Yes, they are sinners. Yes, what they are doing is unthinkable, but they are loved by God. And most of them have gone through trauma, if not all of them have gone through trauma in their life and they don't know who they are. And they got into it to help people. And then as you are in sin, you put up walls and you, you know, you make up these things and it becomes this worse and worse and worse. There's plenty of stories in the Bible of people that that happens. We're really good at reasoning in a way. Absolutely. True. Yeah. Because it doesn't, truth sometimes doesn't feel good. Right. Sometimes it makes you uncomfortable. And so you make up reasons and excuses to validate what you're doing. And, you know, I have such a heart for women and men in the abortion industry that we pray for them. If Mm -hmm. everybody in the abortion industry quit, we wouldn't have any abortions. Right. Absolutely. You know? And so if we would stand and pray for them as well and see not only these women that are in this situation of being pregnant as, as valuable humans with incredible destinies and incredible purposes on the earth, also 
the children in the womb as being incredible with incredible destinies, but also these people that are in the clinics, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's, that's something that has taken a while for me to admit publicly mm-hmm. because I still had shame because yeah. oftentimes it's, you want somebody to blame, you yeah. know, you want somebody to point the finger at and say, they're the bad guy. Right. Um, and abortion workers are kind of the bad guys in this situation, but they're also just, you know, they're just lost. Yeah. Well, and there's a couple of things uh, about your story that really, really stood out to me. I mean, a lot of it, but um, two things. One is, is that aspect that you just shared in that we so often forget that lost people mm-hmm. are going to act like lost people. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know, like, exactly. Like, why would you uh, attack and harm someone that's doing something wrong when they know no better? Right. You know, I think about my son. He's one and a half, and he does things that are not okay. Right. Um, but he doesn't know better. If he touches something hot, it's because he doesn't know better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it okay. Correct. And 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 there will be correction for that. Right. But it will be in a loving way, in a kind way, in a gentle way, the right. same way that our Father loves us. Absolutely. And the other thing, and it's right in line with that, that you mentioned was how your a pastor responded to you. First of all, <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> first of all, on behalf of pastors, yeah, sorry, yeah, um, that shouldn't have yeah. happened. It shouldn't have, uh, and that should be a, a, a wake up call and and a realization for uh, pastors and anyone who works with people, not just teenagers and children, and, and but anybody who works with people and someone who approaches you and shares something like that with you. It is. It has to be delicately handled. Absolutely. And, and and we have to keep in perspective the grace and the goodness of our God in how we respond to someone who has had something atrocious happen. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me a lot of, of two different stories in Scripture. The first one, um, so many of us are reading, you know, if we're reading the Bible through, we started in Genesis. And I just remember Genesis 3, how a lot of times people only pick up on the fact that God laid down punishment and judgment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they miss the fact that in Genesis three, God also laid down his provision. Right. As well. Like he, he, he took care of them. You know, we see, we see, first off, we see the, the rejection from the garden, the sending out of the garden as a, as a punishment. Like you, you can't be in the garden, but, but really what God was doing was, was for their good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, put you out of the vicinity of the tree of life because I don't want your eternity to be marked by this. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to take away your fig leaves and I'm going to kill one of my creations exactly. and make clothes for you so that you're not exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That it is such a beautiful demonstration of how God holds both his, 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 his judgment and his love intention so that ultimately at the end of the day, when he sends Jesus Christ, he sends Jesus Christ to experience our judgment so that we can experience his love and his redemption rightly. Right. I talk to people a lot of times they're they're confused about the judgment and the mercy of God. And the only reason that God can have mercy is because he is the right judge. Right. That's the good. only reason that God can be the rightful judge is because of his mercy. You have to have a place, a they're foundation not, to stand yeah, on. Yeah, they're not in opposition. They are perfectly intertwined. And 
that's where the, his love comes in. That's how he can have the love is because of his mercy and because of his judgment. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we've had a full podcast <laughs> in just a few minutes. Um, <laughs> we go to church, y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we do have a couple of questions that were submitted by um, Spotswood students, and they were submitted anonymously. Uh, one of them, the other one wasn't anonymous, but I'm not going to share their name. Um, don't want to embarrass them or anything. But uh, I've given you guys these questions to kind of think about, um, and we want to just kind of have a conversation in answering in the best way we can. And just as a preface to this conversation, I want to make sure that our listeners know um, that we're not medical experts. Sure. I, I don't have a you know PhD in in medical stuff. Uh, nor, it, nor would you have a PhD in medical <laughs> stuff if you've got a, a doctor. Is it an MD? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. That's this how is a, ignorant we are. This is a great, <laughs> great point. Um, so uh, with that being said, one of the questions that we're going to answer last, it, it, there, that's a good thing for everybody to know that we're going to come from the, from the perspective of a biblical foundation, mm-hmm. and we're going to answer this in the ways that we believe the Bible would answer these questions. So uh, the first question is, and Chris, I'd like for you to kind of start us out on this. Um, As a Christian, uh, someone who follows Jesus, what are we supposed to do when it comes to the topic of abortion? Because it is a topic. It is a thing that happens. um, It is something that is a problem. Um, So as a believer, what do we do in regards to that? Such a good question, whoever submitted that. Um, I think there's a couple of things. For starters, I think it's important to recognize that this is a church problem, not just a secular culture problem. Um, And that can take on various um, aspects to it. You know, I think one of you mentioned it earlier that, that most churches or maybe many churches tend to avoid this topic and don't really speak to it for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's, you know, something of a perspective that, well, this, this doesn't really exist in my church. Or maybe it's a thing of, well, this is just too politically hot Mm. topic to address. Mm. Or um, in some cases, maybe it hits a little too close to home. Sure. And so they, they just avoid it um, altogether. One of our dirty little secrets. Right. Yeah. Um, I wish more churches tackled this subject and you know, from the pulpit and, and talked on it on a regular basis. A lot of people may not realize that, um, according to some research that was done a couple of years ago, four in 10 women, when they had their first abortion, indicated that they were attending church wow. at least on a monthly basis. Wow. Four in 10, 40%. I was. <laughs> I was one of those. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's just a, that's a staggering, staggering problem. And so that's why I say recognize that this is a church problem, not just a, it's an out there problem. Mm. If, if, if we could tackle this internally, 40%, that's a pretty big dent yeah. to make. Yeah. Um, well, and, and not only that, but how, when we do address it, how would the way we address it change if we looked at it and treated it as if it was an issue we were struggling with inside our church right. body, not just out there, the people that we are vilifying and demonizing? 
if we if we treated it more empathetically rather than an issue to be railed against. I remember um, a year or two ago there was a a story of a young teenage girl. I think she was like maybe a senior in high school, and she had gotten pregnant. I, I believe it was a Christian school, and she had gotten pregnant, mm-hmm. and. Um, she was, if I remember correctly, she was expelled mm-hmm. and not wow. allowed to walk. Mm-hmm. And the concern that I have is, yes, there there needs to be consequences for um, our sin, or in the case of a Christian school, you know, if you break up, you know, broke, you know, a rule, there has to be some kind of a of a consequence. But my concern is, was what did what did that response? communicate to the next girl right. that finds herself with that unintended pregnancy. Mm. I don't want to be publicly shamed and humiliated like that. So I'm just going to have an abortion and nobody knows. And I, I don't know what the right answer is in that kind of a yeah it, circumstance. You know, for me, like when, when these questions came in, especially the second question that we're going to tackle, my stomach actually turned a little bit mm. when I read it because I was I was just hoping in my spirit, please tell me this is just something of curiosity and not something of, yeah. you know, I did this and now I want to know if it was okay. Yeah. Um, because that goes back to how do we handle it when someone comes to you and says, hey, this happened. Mm-hmm. This happened. I'm telling you, my response, like just in, in talking about this, it just brings a welling of emotion because my response to a a young lady that would come to me and say like this happened and I don't know what to do or I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do is going to be thank you for coming yeah 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 you know thank you for being willing to come and and ask for help because they saw you as a safe place yes it, 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 it almost a microcosm of what it would look like to run to the Father, yeah. to run to God. They ran to you, expecting you to respond to them the way they would envision the, our Heavenly Father responding to us. Yeah. Yeah. I just, so many of these situations are not girls that get themselves in these situations or guys that have gotten girls in these particular situations. There's so many. There's, there's a lot of them that they're not approaching this in a belligerent way. They're approaching this feeling deep down in their heart, I messed up. Yeah. And we are responding to them as if they are someone who is standing on the steps of a pro-choice movement, just railing against pro-life supporters when they're, they're more akin to the prodigal son who is coming home to their dad asking mm. for help. Yeah, I think the key, one of the keys that you said was being a safe place. And as the church, unfortunately, we have not been a safe place for mm-hmm. many, many years. Right Now, in that, I want to say a safe place doesn't mean you can do whatever you Absolutely. want and there be no consequence, Correct. just like with your son. You tell him, don't touch that stove. The stove is hot. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's a point where... He's probably going to have to learn on his own to believe what daddy says. And when I touch that stove, it's hot. And to know that there's going to be a consequence. I might have a burn on my finger. You know, I might get a timeout or whatever that is, you know. But 
I'm always going to be loved by my father. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm always yes. going to be seen by my father as a good son. Absolutely. A, you know, and he's saying these things to me because he loves me and he wants good things for me. And that is, should always be the church's response. Always. And that needs to start before they're pregnant. Yeah. That needs to start, you know, when they're teenage. The fact that you guys are even having this conversation gives me so much hope that there are pastors, youth pastors, that are seeking truth and want to be a safe place so that their their you know students can come and talk to them and it be okay. Mm-hmm. And and I see, you know, you guys can't see this because you're, you know, on the other side of the podcast, but I see your hearts breaking over this topic. And it's not because it's some visceral thing out in the atmosphere. It's because you know that there may be people mm. that you are ministering to that are encountering this or that are going to encounter mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And it breaks your heart. And that's the posture that we have to take. With all of this, you have to take that posture because in that, even if you say something wrong, even if you make a mistake, which we're gonna, just like being a parent, don't worry if you're going to screw up because you're gonna. Exactly. If your posture is with love and if your posture is being safe, God will work it out and it will be okay. You know, it will be okay. So I'd like to ask you guys a follow-up question because I think we've surfaced a tension here. There are a number of people listening to this that would hear us say we need to give a loving posture towards people, but they would say, yes, but how do you deal with their sin? How do you deal with this particular issue that's in there? What would you say to, what would you guys say to the person who can't, who, who is really focused on the, the wrongness of of, of the act and how that should be addressed. He who has not cast a stone, throw the cat first stone. Yeah. That's how I would respond. Like Jesus did, you know, now Jesus did tell her go and sin no Absolutely, more. Right. Again, right. that, tension. That, that tension. tension. And so you have to examine your own heart. You know, if you, the Bible says, if you hate your brother, then you've committed murder. So you have to examine your own heart and, where have you done these things? Maybe you haven't had the actual act, you know, of premarital sex or of abortion, but you've done some bad things in your life as well. And so examine those and how would you want to be treated Mm -hmm. in those situations? How would you want a parent, a pastor, a friend to confront you in that situation? And do that first and then pray, 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 pray. And pray some more, yeah. you know, and I tell people, if you are going to be angry and if you are going to be full of hate, do not go to the abortion clinic, mm. <laughs> stay home and pray, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the last thing that these women and men in crisis need. And, right. and I would say the same thing. If you have somebody that comes up to you and tells you a, a secret or tells you something and the first thing that rises up in you is anger or hatred you say, I hear you, we can't talk, and you leave. Mm-hmm. And you get your heart right first. And if you can't get your heart right, because as a parent, I can't imagine, you know, if one of my children came to me and said that. Mm-hmm. So I might have to have somebody else come in and help them because it may be too sensitive of a thing for me. Mm. And so, you know, that's what we have to do. None of us are perfect. 
You know, none of us are sinless. None of us have done, we've all done as bad or worse because we know there's no gradient of sin, you know, and check yourself, check yourself first before you move forward. Right. And that's not excusing no the sin at all. No, no. Um, it's just being committed to lovingly walk them through the consequences. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I will say, um, when when you ask that question, immediately in my mind, I go back to my youth pastor. Uh, his name's Ryan. When I was in high school, I, I didn't go to church growing up. I, I ended up going by myself when I was almost 17 years wow. old. And I got saved shortly thereafter. But after becoming a Christian, I was still doing some stupid things. Sure. And... I was feeling the weight of conviction of that, and I called my youth pastor one night in my in my basement, and I was just sobbing on the phone. I was like, hey, man, I, I've done these things. And his response was, well, I'm glad that you know that that's not okay. Wow. And I love you, and I want to pray for you right now, and we'll talk about it again tomorrow. Wow. That moment defined a lot of how I interact with students in moments like that yeah because it's not always the right thing to administer the criticism or the um like the condemnation or the judgment or or just the steps to this is what you should do yeah that sometimes needs to wait a little bit yeah because again it goes back to they need to know one that you love them, but two, that you recognize and that you, they need to help you. We as pastors need to help them make sure that they know, like, you know, that this was not okay. You know, that, mm-hmm. and that was what was so good of Ryan for me was that he said, I'm glad that you know that this isn't okay because that gave me a lot of confidence in, I am hearing from God. Yeah. That yeah. was huge. Yeah. That was huge for my life at that time because I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Um, and, and he followed through. Wow. He didn't not call me the next day. Right. Right. And you know, but one caveat I would say to that is if, if it's immediate danger, right. right. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know, like if I do, I work with a crisis line where women that are, you know, have abor- abortion appointments yeah. that day are calling in and saying, Hey, I've got this appointment, but I'm having certain that is a rescue mission. Yeah. It is oh, full yeah. bore. Pray, pray, pray as you're doing the mission, yes. you know, but in, Pretty much every other situation, you know, obviously if there's a, a suicide attempt or something like that. But aftercare type but stuff. But any, pretty much anything else can wait to the morning, Yep. you know, and that gives Jesus, they say even in that story where he said he was, you know, cast, thrown the stone, whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about, the woman at the well, <laughs> or not the well, the, the woman in the act of, um, yeah, Adultery. okay, thank you. There we go. Um, he got down on the ground and he wrote in the sand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I have heard said, well, why did he write in the sand? What did he write in the sand? And what I've heard some commentators say is he was taking a moment to cause everybody to just chill mm-hmm. for a second because it was this rush of a crowd and it was this, oh, this crisis, crisis, crisis. Bring him to the heart. And he stops and says, just wait. Yeah. And breathes and prays, and everybody else is breathing. So sometimes that is absolutely mm-hmm. the best. Normally, that's absolutely the best. I appreciate what you're saying. I love you. Let's talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's such such wisdom. Uh, what I love that that illustrates is so often we can boil this down to um, 
in, in the church and in the culture, it's acceptance versus correction. Mm. Acceptance versus correction. When in reality, what God wants us to do is an acceptance that leads to correction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Yes. That's really good. Um, okay, so whew, uh, let's move to our, <laughs> our, our second and final question. Uh, and this is, this is, again, this is a big question submitted by a student. The question is this. Is there ever a time... This is what the student said. Is there ever a time that it is okay to get an abortion? Uh, and as we talked a little bit earlier, um, maybe the better way to answer that question is, is there ever a time that is acceptable to get an abortion? So either way, it's a really hard question. Um, it's a, it's not necessarily a hard question from a biblical perspective, because I would say that it's a pretty cut and dry answer. But when you mix in the messiness of the world... And, and what the world is saying, sure. it convolutes that answer. So I'd love to, to get kind of some perspective on that from people who work within this uh, medium and deal with that question probably every day. I think that it's important to recognize that you don't have to be a Christian to realize that the abortion issue, that, there's, that it's problematic, that there's a lot of yeah. things with it, uh, issues with it. Yes, it is an accurate statement to say that the Bible does not say, thou shalt not have an abortion. Mm -hmm. But the Bible does say, thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that then begs the question, on what basis do we believe that an unborn child is a full person? Mm -hmm. That is a much more yeah. right complex um, concept. And I think it's safe to say that the biblical writers... They consider that the unborn to be full image bearers or objects of God's intricate handiwork in the womb. Yeah. So for me, that answer is no, there never is a time when an abortion is okay because that is an image bearer of God, yeah. because that is God's intricate handiwork that's taking place in the womb. Well, not only that, God has a plan for that life. Mm -hmm. um, Jeremiah 1, Psalm 139, Isaiah 44, all of those talk about God forming in the womb because there's plans later. You know, knowing that person, having an intricate understanding of who they are, who they're going to be, and who what they're going to do. Um, so I, I love that. I mean, our culture tells us that that's not really a person right. in there. But I think Scripture is pretty clear to the mm -hmm. contrary. I agree. Um, you know, a, a passage that I came across recently that I'd never really noticed before, but when, when Mary, when she was pregnant, went to visit Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard her greeting, baby John in her womb leapt. Yeah. That's not a clump of cells. Right. Yeah. That is a human being. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. What about you, Kelly? Well, first off, I, I want to say that if the person who asked this question has had an abortion, this is a safe place. Yeah. You know, these are these, your pastor is a safe pastor. Um, and is it okay that you, if you had the abortion, is it okay that you had the abortion? No, it's not okay. But can you be forgiven? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to start with that because 
I know that that is a, a very good possibility. I think um, I agree. This is a really tough topic. Um, oftentimes you hear, well, what about in the case of rape? That's, you know, that's the thing that everybody first says. And <laughs> I love that we have Christian's testimony. Yeah. Well, in the case of rape, Christian wouldn't be here and mm -hmm. his kids wouldn't be here and my life wouldn't have been affected. And, you know, so there's always that. But I will also say that if the only time abortions were performed, it was in the case of rape, that would be point one percent of the time wow which is still a staggering number absolutely don't right. don't get me you know i'm not trying to say that's nothing but and if that was the only time that it was done we would not have the issue right. that we have um in the case of death of the mother that's a part that is is somewhat of a controversial right. thing because oftentimes a doctor will say that they are um or if the, the life of the, the child in the womb doesn't have, you know, isn't going to continue or yeah, if no viability, the, no viability, or if the baby is already dead in the, in the womb, that is not an abortion. Okay. They will label it oftentimes an abortion. And I know a while ago there was, um, there was a lady who came out and said, I'm pro-life, but I had an abortion because I had a baby, you know, that was in my womb that was dead and they were, okay, that's not an abortion. Right. Right. Um, an abortion is terminating the life mm -hmm. of a viable fetus right. or embryo. Okay. So we need to get that out there. Now, doctors may say that it's an abortion, but they're using that for their own motives. Okay. So you have to understand that. Um, in the case of the life of the mother, again, that is such a rarity mm. that having the baby would cause the death of the mother that if that was the only time it was done, we wouldn't have this issue. Um, aside from that, is it ever okay? No, it's not. Is it easy? No, it's, it's not. Having a child, I have six. It's not easy, you know, and I'm married and in a, in a stable home life. Um, one of the, the guys that I love, he, he calls it trotting a toddler. So if you take a situation like a woman's in an abusive relationship, okay? She's unmarried in an abusive relationship and is worried about the life of her child and so growing up in this house. And so because of that, she has an abortion. Mm -hmm. And you could go, okay, I understand that. That seems, she's actually protecting the child by not bringing it. Okay, what if that child was two? Mm -hmm. Would it be okay to kill that two-year-old because he's living in this house mm. with an abusive man. And no, nobody would say that's okay. Mm. Well, she's full, of, it lives in a poverty and has no this. And okay, that child is two. Would it be okay to kill that two year old because the woman is poor or homeless or drug addicted or whatever the reasons are that we use? We would to do whatever we could to rescue that child. Anything right. we could to rescue that child and, and that woman. Yes. Like we would say, oh, honey, let us help you yeah. be a good mother. And so I often have to do that. I hear these stories and I'm like, oh gosh, that, that might be a good time to. Like, I can understand why somebody might do that. Yeah. And then I say, what if that child was two? And the answer is always no. Yeah. Always without. So that is is kind of where, where we have to look. And one of the things that I do appreciate about the pro-life movement is for many, many years, the only life that we cared about was that one in the womb. Yes. Yeah. And we are realizing 
that there are two or more lives at stake in these abortions, oftentimes more. Um, And so we have to care about her before we can ever do anything about the baby. And so, um, you know, that, that's kind of my, my stance on, is it hard? Yeah. Like I've been raped. Fortunately, I didn't get pregnant from it. I can't imagine what Christian's mom went through, but I see Christian. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's hope, you know, even two wrongs don't make a right, you know, two acts of violence, an act of violence does not fix the act of violence that occurred. And so, um, yeah. Well, I think you, sorry, but I think you surfaced something that I think it's so important for us to remember that I don't know that we had a full grasp on in the early days of, 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 of things like, like protests and picketing signs in front of abortion clinics and is that the rightness or wrongness or the lawfulness or the unlawfulness of abortion is not the only issue. So many of these women that are in this particular situation aren't as they, they, they're not just concerned about the rightness or wrongness. They're concerned about the difficulty and the hope versus hopelessness of the situation. They feel hopeless. They don't know. I don't know how I'm going to care for this child. I don't know how I'm going to provide. I don't know what to do. And a lot of times we look at them and go, well, you could do adoption. and, And that is certainly viable. But what I love is how so many places now, so many ministries now are, are, are not just working to 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 limit the lawful nature of abortion, but they're also look looking and trying to figure out how can we care for the women that are in these situations so that we can make it um more this is gonna sound like the the worst way to put this, but more palatable for them. Where they can see the light at the end of the tunnel that 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 God can use this what feels like a hopeless situation for for his good because I've got these people rallying around me to help me. Yeah, the thing about abortion, you know, so much of the the pro-choice movement is a feminist power, Mm -hmm. women power Mm -hmm. movement. And, you know, you have control over your body and control over your destiny and control over your life and be a strong woman. (laughs) And all the while, we are telling these women that are coming to the Planned Parenthood and coming to these abortion clinics, you're not strong enough to do this. Right. You're not strong enough to finish high school. It feels so contrary ha- to the, the feminist totally message. Totally opposite. We know you can't do this, so let us take care of this for you. Yeah. And all the while, not only are we going to just take care of it for you, but we're going to charge you a lot of money yeah. mm. to do it. Not free. This isn't a we want to empower you and do this for free. We want to make a lot of money off mm-hmm. of doing this off of you. And so you are victimizing women in crisis and telling them you're not good enough, mm. you can't do this, let us just sweep it under the rug and take care of it for you so you can be strong and do what you want. And that is the opposite of a true women's empowerment message. That's, I mean, I, where else would that be okay? Like, where else would that be okay? Yeah. Well, it, you talked about something earlier. Uh, you mentioned that the whole... Um, the life of the mother argument and things like that. And uh, I, in my efforts to kind of familiarize myself and, and, and stuff like that, leading up to this conversation, I, I found online Parents Magazine. 
It's it's a really really big magazine, and they have a website. You know, like most things, um, they actually have a statement about pregnancy in general, which is that they say that pregnancy is dangerous all the time, and and that uh, it can cause cardiac issues. It can cause uh, all all number of issues within a woman's body. Which let me tell you something. My wife has had a kid. You've had six. Um, it was not easy on her body. Yeah. <laughs> like I recognize that, yeah. uh, but also the Bible recognizes that. Right. And they said that that is a reason. That's a reason why you should be able to get an abortion because of that. And 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 I just struggled so much with that because they were like, "This is what is threatening the life of the mother." These things, and I was like, "That's just pregnancy." Last time I checked, um, and 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 carrying and developing another person inside of you, I can't imagine would be um, easy. And I think personally, personally, I felt like that really depreciated the value of a woman carrying a person and growing a human being within their body. That depreciated that so much. Uh, I can't imagine what my wife or I I don't know how you feel when you hear, hey, just so you know, the pregnancies that you have, that was that was really you know, risky for you. Yeah. I, uh, I I laugh at and tell people when you're pregnant, there's stuff they tell you that happens to your body, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of stuff they don't tell you that happens (laughs) to your body. And I've got this one spot on the middle of my arm that was not affected by pregnancy and everything else was. So I, I get that, but I want to tell you something else. Abortion affects your body. Wow. Mm. And there are women who will never be able to have children because the only child they ever had, they terminated in abortion. Mm. There are women who have cancers and have endometriosis and have all of these complications now in their life that happened because of abortion. And many of them, it happened on the abortion table, there was a complication in the procedure. But because of the sedation and because of what, you know, because of the nature of the abortion industry, they weren't told that, hey, this thing went wrong in your surgery. You need to go get help so that you can have children. Now, I don't know if you all have had surgeries. I had knee surgery about six weeks ago. They went over the procedure before and after and during and, and, you know, and this happened and this happened and that happened in abortions. They do not tell you anything. And now legally in the state of Virginia and other places, they don't have to warn you before your abortion Mm. what the complications may be. And my other thing that I often talk about is, okay, if you want to be pro-choice, which I'm not for, I, I disagree with. You should be fighting that abortions are as safe as possible. Exactly. Meaning consent beforehand, going over the procedure, what Mm -hmm. the risks are, what's going on, making sure that the people performing those abortions are doctors, which now 
in the state of Virginia, they do not have to be. Making sure that if something happens on the operating table, that that doctor can then have rights in the hospital to go with you to get treatment to fix whatever happened, which now in the state of Virginia is not a case. Making sure that after the fact, you know what I mean? Like simple stuff. If you go again with knee surgery, that's the case with all of those things. Well, It is not that. Parental consent. Oh yeah, no. I, I think I saw last night that Massachusetts lowered the age of of no parental consent to 16. Yes, which is you know, most, we most would, states. We would never we would never have any other kind of surgical procedure that did not require mom and dad to have some kind of input. Your yeah. ears pierced. You have seriously, <laughs> yeah. you have to have parental consent to have your ears pierced at 16 but not to have an abortion. And so back to the does it hurt your body to be pregnant? Yeah, you know, growing old hurts your body, but we don't kill <laughs> people point. that are getting old. Tell us you about know, it, Chris. We, <laughs> <laughs> we don't, you know, like that's Thanks, saying <laughs> saying that because pregnancy damages, but you know what else pregnancy does? Pregnancy increases so many things in your life, yeah. you know? And so, but pregnancy can be damaging to certain things, yeah. you know? Yeah. But abortion will always be damaging to certain things. That's good. Always. That's really good. So I think that we've all at some point said it, but the answer to that question simply is is no. It's not okay um, to get an abortion. And, and to be clear, it's not a authoritative, let yes. me yell at you from the Correct. pulpit type no. It's a very compassionate, let me walk alongside you now. Yeah, yeah. I love I love yeah. the way you you answered that question, Kelly, in in how you, the 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 posture in which you answered it and everything. So so yeah, I I really, really, really appreciate you taking time. I know you came uh, a little bit a ways to uh, spend some time with us and talk with us on this podcast. Chris, I thank you for your time. Thank you both for what you are doing actively to combat an atrocity in our world uh, and something that absolutely hurts the heart of God. Uh, So thank you for what you're doing and how you're doing that. But uh, we like to end the podcast with a little bit of a lighter note. Um, So Kyle, it is your turn this week to give us a recommendation. Well, it's not going to be a lighter (laughs) note. Oh gosh. I'm going to recommend Choices Women's Center. Yeah. And I wanted to give, uh, Chris, I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us just exactly what Choices does yeah. uh, and, and the services that it provides and how it can minister to people in our community. I guess that's okay, okay Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Choices, our vision is to have a community that values life from the point of conception. And we aim to accomplish this by coming alongside people who are facing an unplanned pregnancy and offering them hope which only comes from a relationship with Jesus. Um, and we want to, to empower them um, to make life-affirming choices. We want to educate them so that they're making a fully informed decision. Um, you know, far too many people have bought into the lie that abortion is their best and only option. Mm. And they don't realize that there are other choices. So we want to be there with them, for them, to come up with a new roadmap um, despite this unplanned pregnancy, you know, there's the, the psychology behind the abortion minded woman is, is that either of the three courses of action, there's a death. If they have an abortion, there's obviously a physical death. If they 
choose to have the child and parent, well, there's a death to their hopes and dreams right. and aspirations. And we want to come alongside them and, and show them that that's not the case. You can still finish school. You can still pursue your career. You can still you know, fill in the bank, blank. Um, and then the third course of action is, is adoption plans. That's really good. And a lot of, a lot of these women, they feel that the death there is, is they can't give up yeah. their child or give their mm. child away, but yet somehow they're able to reconcile with terminating the pregnancy. And that goes back to they've bought into the lie that our culture and the abortion industry has told them that it's not really a life. Yeah. Um, that's just a clump of cells. Um, so that's why we exist. So we do pregnancy, uh, for all of our services and programs are free. Um, mm. we do pregnancy testing, we do ultrasound confirmations. We offer parenting classes, um, for those that haven't experienced an abortion. Uh, we offer abortion recovery Bible studies because forgiveness, that's just one piece of the equation. Right. Healing. Yeah. That's a equally important piece of the equation. And then I would add to that freedom. And it's so cool to see a lot of these women and men, by the way, um, that have had an abortion experience of one kind or another, and they come to that place of, of forgiveness and healing and freedom and just watch that, that, that fire that ignites that Satan intended to snuff out. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, that's awesome, and I'm I'm really glad that you have even mentioned the adoption route because we didn't even we didn't even get into that. That's a whole another world of stuff, but that's it's it's an important element to this. Um, maybe another time we will uh, talk about that and have some people from Interwoven. In Lord here. knows, I love talking about adoption. I, that is exactly right. That is a huge part of. I'm your adopted family. too, so I'm a yeah. big fan. <laughs> so so I'm twice um, adopted, by the way. Oh, we're all adopted. Yeah. Right? That's true. <laughs> That's, right. That's true. That's right. So maybe that's a future podcast, Kyle. But uh, we want to, again, thank you both for coming on. Uh, thank everybody who is listening. Uh, we appreciate that you take the time to listen to stuff that we think matters. And um, we hope that you will engage with us. Uh, you can ask us questions uh, as we have done today. We do uh, do our best to answer those questions as effectively as possible. You can connect with us on social media, on the spot dot podcast that's on Instagram or Facebook. Um, you can also send us an email if you'd like, uh, and that is on the spot at spotswood.org. Um, but be sure, if you can, help us out by rating the podcast, liking it, sharing it with someone, um, especially this episode specifically. If you do know someone who is uh, in danger of uh, making a decision for abortion or is considering that, um, would you please connect them with choices if you're in our area or connect them with someone that can point them in the right direction uh, of life for that child? So. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about stuff that matters.